Hello, friends. I'm Renee. And I'm Anna. And you're listening to Fangirl Happy Hour. On today's show, we decided to take a break from stress and stress and terror and discuss books from the recent past that we have loved because there's nothing like talking about books to take your mind off the world. Yes. So if you need a break, come with us. So Renee, are we about to have a conversation about 30 books? Yes, we are. I think our listeners are going to either hate us or love us even more after this episode. Just get out your to-be-read list and start writing titles down. You're going to need a pen, probably. Also, they'll be in our show notes, so you can do that too. But there's a lot of books here. Did we have a rule? It was books between 2010 and 2014, right? Yes. Did it have to necessarily be books published within those years? No, just that you've read. Even though I followed that rule for 14 books, there is one book, the one that I'm going to start with, that I, it's an older book, but I found within the last six years. And that's Gordy Knight by Dorothy L. Sayers. And it's one of the Peter Whimsy mysteries. It's the third one that features Harriet Vane. And I know that I talked about them before in our Valentine's Day episode. And I love this book so much. And it kind of like has been in my mind lately because I just read another book that references that one. So I'll start with that one because it's so brilliant. It has amazing romance, super cool mystery, and one of the best female characters of all time. I feel like I'm about to get curb stomped by mentioning the first book I'm going to mention. I know exactly where you're going with this. So in 2010, I went back to school, and school was really stressful, and I had a lot of trouble reading books, so I didn't read that much in 2010. I mean, I didn't read, like, nothing, but I didn't read tons of books. When I picked up Solace by Gail Carriger, I was coming off, like, a bunch of academic nonsense, put it that way, and I loved Solace by Gail Carriger. I thought it was super funny, and it was just super relaxing, and I was so happy to find it because I was so (laughs) discouraged. (laughs) Like, listen, when you've spent, like, the last month and a half reading fucking Oliver Twist, come on, come on. No, that's fine. I really have nothing to say to that. I was going to say, no, this book is shit, but I really can't say that now, can I? Although I just did. (laughs) You just did. You worked it in there very subtly. Congratulations. You're welcome. Really, actually, what's funny about this book is that I found it through the book smugglers. Oh, a terrible review of this book. Because you guys hated it. (laughs) And I was like, hmm, that sounds interesting. And so I went and picked it up and read it and I loved it. So this is a perfect example on how negative reviews are very useful. Yes, it is. What's your second book? Bleeding Violet by Dia Reeves. It's about a fantastical town called Portero, where really shitty, horrible, weird things happen. The main character has a mental illness, but it's really well portrayed. And she arrives in this town and ghosts and people are killing each other. 
And one of the things that happens that she can see these weird things. It's a pretty, it's very dark, but it's so well written. It's one of two books that have been set in this town called Portero, but each book has different characters. The other one is Slice of Cherry. And Dia Reeves hasn't published anything since she published these two books. And I keep just dreaming about her next book. But I know that these books have not been that well received, but I love them. Your turn. My next book is World War Z by Max Brooks. This is the oral history of the zombie war, and it's told in snippets of interview by a unnamed interviewer who goes around talking to people who survived the zombie war. The zombies aren't really that important to the plot so much. Like, there's not a lot of gore or extreme amounts of terror because the stories you're being related have already happened and everybody has survived. And I really, really love oral histories, and probably that's because I just like history, period. So when you give me a fictionalized history where you can do lots of cool political and economic and national shenanigans with your fiction, I'm going to be right on, right on the wagon. Your next book? That would be The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms by N.K. Jameson, which I read in 2010. And um, Jameson has been part of my reading life for only six years, and it feels like longer because it has made such an impact. The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms just blew my mind away when I first read it. I loved the narrative. It had an unreliable narrator, so it would definitely appeal to me. It was just so well written, and I couldn't believe that it was her debut. I'm pretty sure on her blog she talked about how that wasn't the first novel she wrote. The first novel she wrote was The Killing Moon. At that time, it was the debut novel because it was the Mm -hmm. first one that was published. But yes, the the first one that she wrote was The Killing Moon, which people thought was unpublishable. And it's such an amazing book. Which is weird because, yeah, because The Killing Moon so far is still my favorite book by her. That's because you haven't read The Shadowed Sun. But once I read it, I'm going to be out of book by her. But she's writing more. But it takes time to write more. Fact of life. This is the worst. (laughs) Moving on. My next book is The Inn by Madeline Ashby. This is a book about von Neumann machines, robots. And it's a really weird novel that's really hard to summarize. It opens with a girl eating her grandmother. What? Why? So they are cannibal robots. In the beginning of the book, the little girl is kept on a restricted diet so she can grow, grow like, quote-unquote normal, like a human girl. And when her grandmother shows up and threatens an event that she's at, she basically eats her grandmother. And it continues to get weirder from there. It's really hard to summarize this novel, but it's great. VN is the first book in a series. There is ID, which is already out, and then Rev, which is supposed to be out in 2017, maybe. It's been moved eight zillion times, just like Company Town was. Maybe it'll be out in 2017. Who knows? We'll find out. Okay, what's your next book? It's called The Ghost of Ashbury High by Jacqueline Moriarty. Again, it's a book about unreliable narrators, and it's all epistolary. They are a bunch of teenagers who are writing an English assignment about gothic fiction. And so the book is them writing those assignments. But each each one of them does something different with what they do. One of them does like a ghost story. Another one goes and tries to find out about their past and their heritage. Another one just mocks the whole thing and uses exclamation points 
But the beauty of this book, which then I came to learn is the beauty of all the books in the series, because when I read this, I didn't realize it was the fourth book in the Ashbury series by Jacqueline Moriarty. You can still read it as a standalone, but of course it builds up on the previous novels and all of them are epistolary novels as well. And it's all these teenagers in this school exchanging letters with other schools and it's just brilliant. And it's all teenage girls and it's about friendship through the lenses of gothic fiction. It's just absolutely brilliant. And is there a ghost at Ashbury High? You have to read to find out. You're next. My next book is The White Fire Crossing by Courtney Schaefer. This is the first in the Shattered Sigil trilogy that was released by Nightshade Books before they fucked everything up. This book is about a mountain climber, and he is hired to take this kid over the mountains to a city. And as he's taking this kid over the mountains, he realizes that this kid is a mage, and there are some very dangerous people after him, and it's about magic and trust and friendship and mountain climbing is obviously a thing. Courtney Shaver is a mountain climber. I don't understand how you find pleasure in climbing up very high mountains when there's no air. Well, not no air, but like less air. But she's really good at it. She does it a whole lot, and she used all that knowledge and put it into her book, and it makes her book extremely, extremely good. So if you want an epic fantasy novel like that i highly recommend the wildfire crossing because it is super great i never read those books renee and i keep meaning to one day i will have you read all the things i want you to read and you will have me read all the things you want me to read somehow yes you're speaking of oh my god that's like providence because my next pick is a conspiracy of kings by megan Whelan turner oh my god a book that is on is on your soon to be read list isn't it it is i have it now excellent so I could not have a list without a Megan Whedon Turner, obviously. And Conspiracy of Kings, I think it was from 2011. And it's the fourth book in the Queen's Thief series featuring Eugenides and Atolia. And it's amazing. And it's another one. Again, I, th- I feel like I have a thing going on because it's about unreliable narrators too. Hmm. You really like some unreliable narrators, it's true. I do. And I think I have more on this list yes yep yep i think about i think another three. Oh my god it's a thing i mean we might as well just embrace it okay my next book is funnily enough a book with an unreliable narrator it's chime by franny billingsley a book i think i read because of you again it was one of my top 10 that year and if it was on your list it would have been on mine definitely and chime is about a girl and her sister and Like, I want to describe this book, but I really feel like I don't have, even now, I don't think I have the tools and the words to use because it was so affecting. Because not only is it about, like, relationship with your family, it's also about mental health and anxiety and gaslighting. And and self-confidence and self-image. It reminds me of Bone Gap. Yeah, I can see that. I just really love this book so much. It's so good. I just want everybody to read it. What's up next for you? A book called Never Knew Another by J.M. McDermott. It's a book that I don't think got reviewed or read a lot within SFF. And it's about these two, I would say, hunters. 
oh my god, it's so difficult because they work for a goddess, right? And they have to hunt demons and destroy those demons. And it starts with the death of a man. And the way that they track these demons, because they're kind of like wolf people, they lick the blood or they lick the skull that they found. They start to see the memories of that person. And through the memories, they backtrack to see how they died. And when they do that, they realize that guy had been in contact with another demon. And they need to track that demon. But of course, the whole novel and the whole series, because this is a trilogy, is about are these people really demons? And who decides who is a demon or not? And what makes a person evil? It's just so fantastic. It's beautifully written. And again, it has an unreliable narrator because the main character, we don't even know her name. We never know her name, the name of the, this hunter, this tracker. She's with her husband and they just, they just do the same. They are, they investigate this murder. But because they get inside Jonah's brain, is Jonah who you see the most? And then eventually Rachel. Oh my God, I can't. I'm so gutted that not a lot of people read those books. And this guy has now a novella coming from Tor.com in January, I think. The fourth race at the end of time. Guys, 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 read it because this guy is an amazing writer. I remember I put this on my to read list because of you. My to be read list is mostly your fault, so thanks. Thanks a lot. <laughs> You're welcome. My next book is Zoo City by Lauren Bucus. This is like an urban fantasy noir mystery where the people in the novel, if they kill somebody, they get a companion animal. So they are marked in society. And our narrator, Zinzi December, has a sloth. And she is contacted to find a missing pop star. Because when you acquire a companion animal, you also get some kind of abilities. And her ability becomes finding things. And there is a lot of Africa in this book. Because the author is South African. It is definitely... I would call it definitely noir, like super dark noir. But it's really, really, really good. I really liked it a whole lot. It was the first Lauren Bucus book I read. And I've read her other stuff, but this still remains like one of my favorite books by her. What's next for you? So I read Never Knew Another in 2011. And at the end of the year post that we, we always write about the best books of the year, I wrote that if Never Knew Another was the most unforgettable book that I read that year, Old Men of Genius by Lev Rosen was the most fun. And it's kind of like a mishmash of the importance of being earnest, Twelfth Night by Shakespeare, with steampunk and cross-dressing and a girl wanting to go to college and then lots of queer people and it's just so much fun it's hilarious it's light and it's romantic and it's just really fantastic and again it's a book that i didn't see a lot of people reading i tried that book and it read very victorian to me and so i failed out of it mm, okay i'm very sorry book it was not you it was definitely my reading mood my next book is actually one of your authors. What? Uh, they self-published it. It's Zero Sum Game by S.L. Huang. It's a story about a girl whose superpower is math. She can see how things are going to work by seeing the math. It's definitely a book about like found family and somebody being a loner and not wanting help who eventually has to take help because although Cass has this excellent superpower and math abilities that let her get away with a lot of stuff 
she is also under threat by a person who is psychic. I really liked that book, too. I struggled with the beginning, but then I got, like, halfway through and then, like, swallowed it in 13 hours or something. Okay, my next one is another favorite that I found in the past six years. It's Frances Harding's A Face Like Glass. And, again, it has one of the most unique settings, premises, that I have ever seen in any book ever, in any genre. And this is like for children. A Face Like Glass is about how people in this society, they don't have facial expressions. What happens is that they buy facial expressions. If you are poor, you can only afford the simplest facial expressions, like cry or smile. The more, the richer you are, the upper in the scale in this society you are, the more facial expressions you have, the more subtlety to your face you can build. And then, of course, there is a lot of politics and a lot of class systems. And the main character is this girl who has expressions of her own. How is that possible? It's fantastic! One day I will actually... Yes, read a Frances Harding. Okay, after you finish Megan Wayne and Turner, that's your homework. I'm writing it down. Oh my god. And now you're next. My next book is Fortune's Pawn by Rachel Bach. This is a space opera with a hired contractor who signs on with a ship that has a lot of question marks around it. The crew is mysterious and the captain's mysterious and the ship apparently does a lot of dangerous stuff. When I first read this book, I really liked it a whole lot because it's space adventure. There's like cool armor, but like it's very much set in a future where... The feminism of today is applied to it. Even though it's set in the future, you still get, like, really generic feminism 101 characterizations. But I still really liked this book because it has a really great romance to it. And I really liked one of the side characters that the main character develops a relationship with. He's an alien, and he drops into a little pad. It's a whole series. Fortune's Upon is the first one. I like this series, too. My next one is, surprising no one, Codename Verity by Elizabeth Wynn. Again, it's an epistolary novel. It's an unreliable narrator. It's about two best friends who are part of the World War II effort in Britain. One of them is a spy. The other one is a pilot. And what happens when the spy gets caught by the Germans? It's probably the saddest book that I have ever read, or one of them. I remember reading the ending of this book, and then I was in fetal position in my bed, sobbing, and I was crying so loudly. My partner ran into the room, and he's like, what happened? Who died? That's how much I cried in that book. That's a lot of crying, and that's exactly why I have not read this book. It's so beautiful. It's so good. Kiss me, Hardy. Only the people who have read this book will understand this reference. Congratulations for making, like, half of our listeners burst into tears. Because I'm sure a lot of them have read this book and are now, like, crying in their car or at work. She's not sorry, listeners. She's not sorry. I am not sorry. I'm totally not sorry. My next book is The Goblin Emperor by Catherine Addison. Yay! 
I loved this book. It's so good. It's about Maya, and he is a prince who's been exiled, and he's not in line for the throne, but when his entire family is killed, he becomes the king. He becomes the person in charge, and he gets whisked into politics and the capital and all the drama that comes with it. It is kind of steampunky. There's a lot of racial stuff happening. You would think that it would be boring, kind of, but I just loved watching Maya, like, navigate his world, and I cannot wait to reread this book. I really want to make time, because I just love this book so much. It's so good. It's like a hug. Nice. It was very popular when it came out, but I think it got too overhyped for what it was, and when people started reading it, they're like, nothing happens. It is a very slow, deliberate novel about politics and royalty and monarchies and all the various long, boring conversations that go into something like that. There is a plot that is revealed, but this is just a very quiet character study. How does somebody who had no power or influence react when he is given power and influence? Next. Next for me is a book called The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. And it's a retelling of the Trojan War as told by Patroclus, Achilles' cousin in the original. And in here, they are actually best friends and lovers. You know, it's about this huge superhero in Greek mythology that it's pretty much invincible. And it's about his romance with this other dude and it's such a beautiful story and of course we all know how it ended but the author did something really great in the end and it's not a tragic ending anymore in a way and it, it does have a happy ending so i just i just really loved that book and i remember that it made a huge splash too do you remember that one renee no not at all i'm also really bad at like greek anything right my next book is The Girls at the Kingfisher Club by Genevieve Valentine. When this first came out, I actually wasn't going to read it because I know nothing about the little fairy tale of the 12 dancing princesses. But so many people started talking about the great relationships between the sisters that I went and picked it up. And I wouldn't actually call this science fiction and fantasy, but I really feel like this is a retelling of a fairy tale set in the 1920s Prohibition America where there is almost a feeling of magical realism to it. It's not explicit. It's really, it might just be really personal to the reader, but this book feels magical in like the best way. And it's not an easy book. Like a lot of hard things happen and you really get the sense that these sisters care about and love each other, but they're their own people. And it's just lovely. It's just so lovely. It has such a great romance too, right? Uh-huh. I agree. It really does. Speaking of women, my next one is a book that I think everybody should read in the world. It's Delusions of Gender by Cordelia Fine. And it's a book that looks at historical context and biology and psychology to talk about the delusion that women are from Venus and men are from Mars or such trivial shit. And deconstructs the, those ideas and talks about gender in the way that is a social construct. And it's basically brilliant. I think anybody who wants to review books should have to read this one first. Mm. And I think anybody who wants to be a person in the world. I really think that if you want to open like a book blog or a YouTube channel or 
whatever else to talk about books, there are two specific books you need to read. Delusions of Gender by Cordelia Fine and How to Suppress Women's Writing by Joanna Russ. A third one that I would add to that list is Writing the Other by Nishi Shaw and Cynthia Ward, which talks about writing minorities. Obviously, you're like, Renee, why in the world would you wreck a writing book for people who want to do reviewing? Because technically, when you're writing reviews, you're writing. And you really need to know how to write about minority identities before you start putting down some words about some books. Because there's this thing that I've talked to several people some of them authors about, about how reviews themselves can be super, super, super sexist and racist and whatever else in a lot of insidious ways. So yes, I really think that those three books should be required reading before starting a book project. I should probably read those two then. You know, knowledge is power and you know how I feel about power. My next book is The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells. This is the first book in the Raxura series. It's about Moon, and he is like a human slash dragon shapeshifter, and he's all alone, and he doesn't know anybody like himself. And this book is about what happens when he finds some of his people. It's really, really good. It's so good! I When I first read this book, I actually... Everybody else was like, These, this, this culture is so neat. This... All this shape-shifting is so cool. This world-building is so great. And meanwhile, I'm over here going, wow, this is a novel about biological warfare. Like a nerd. It is, though. The novel's a, it's a novel about biological warfare. That's, 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 that's true. Huh. So if you like novels with shapeshifters and stories about biological warfare, uh, I highly recommend The Cloud Roads by Martha Wells. The other one that I recommend is also an older novel that I've read within the past six years and it's fingersmith by sarah waters i'm pretty sure i talked about it before too in the podcast but it has to be recommended it's another one that is about reliable narrators and has tons of like twists it features two main female characters who fall in love with each other and it ends well is that a spoiler (laughs) yes but it's fine because sometimes you just want to know exactly it's in the interest of public safety my next book is Guardian of the Dead by Karen Healy. This was the first novel by Karen Healy that I read. It is about Ellie Spencer, and she gets caught up in a war over immortality. The main reason that I went into this book is because people talked to me about the main character and talked about her being fat and it not being a big deal. And I was super into that. And anyway, I just really love Karen Healy's ideas. I'm super into them. And this was a really, really great book. And I liked it a whole lot. It was fantastic. I completely agree with that. It would be on my list, too. If I hadn't put it on my list? Yeah. Well, sorry. I stole it. It's mine now. No, that's cool. That's more room for me. And you still get to talk about some of my favorite books, so (laughs) I win. So the next one for me is Ancillary Justice by Anne Leckie. (laughs) How did I know that was going to show up? Has anybody who listened to this podcast not read that book? If they haven't, maybe then they should stop listening right now and go get a copy and read it. Don't you Don't you think so, Renee? Don't you think that they should do that? Well, what if they don't like space opera? I mean, if they don't like space opera, I don't know why they're listening to me, because that's <laughs> kind of my aesthetic. But no, I mean, I thought everybody had read Antillary Justice at this point. I'm sure that's not true. But it's still a book that I love so much. It's very different, and it's just so much fun, isn't it? At the end of the day, it's about it's about revenge. And love. The first one's definitely about revenge. And love. 
And love. But mostly revenge. But some love, too. I like how me and Anna approach ancillary justice completely from opposite sides. Like she's like, it's about revenge, and I'm like, no, it's about love. And she's like, revenge. <laughs> That's true. FYI, listeners, uh, there is no wrong reading of a book. That's definitely true. My next book is Have Mercy by Jada Jones and Danielle Bennett. This is an epic fantasy that came out in 2008. So it's about this dragon core, which is a army made up of mechanical dragons. And they, there's a bunch of different characters in it. So you get like four perspectives. And they are an exiled magician, a country boy, a student, and then one of the captains of one of the metal dragons. There is some MM romance going on in here. And there's magic. And it's very political. But I had some problems with this book like toxic masculinity wise because disclaimer the female characters in this book are given short shrift or they are non-existent so that's a disclaimer you're not gonna go into this book for female characters but i still really liked the whole dragon thing even though the dragon bits aren't that centralized if that makes sense it's way more about like politics and war and how these four characters interact but now i've given my disclaimer about the women so i feel okay about wrecking it fair enough my next one is one crazy summer by rita williams garcia it's a it's a middle grade but it's about three little girls three black girls who travel who live with their with their father and their father is very strict and they live and their grandmother live with them as well and they travel to california to spend some time with their estranged mother who used to be or who actually is a black panther because this book is based is set in the 70s in america and it's just it's such a brilliant portrayal of family of feminism because the mother decided to leave because that's what was best for her mental health and for the things that she believed in, even though she left her children behind. It's a hard book to read in many ways, but it's also so beautiful because of the friendships and because of the relationship between the three sisters and between them and the father, them and the grandmother. And and, and then they are in California and they are participating in, in the political and the political the, the political arena of the time and it's just such a great novel and it's, you can hardly believe that it's a novel for children because it's so i want to say complex but it's wrong because it's not like children's books cannot be complex because of course they can this is this is an example of it but that's what it is and I love it so much. And there is a sequel called PSB11. And it follows the main character back home and her relationship with her mother across America by sending letters. And her mother keeps telling her PSB11 because the main character is so like grown up. She has to take care of her younger sisters, but she's only 11 years old. It's just fantastic. I really love this series. My next book is not a book, but a novelette. I have fond dreams that one day I'm going to win the lottery and I'm going to be able to be like, Anna, here is a zillion dollars. Please go to Pat Cadigan and ask to reprint her novelette, The Girl Thing, that went out for sushi. P.S. If anybody wants to start sending me money, we can crowdfund this. It's the thing that could happen. You can read The Girl Thing that went out for sushi in an anthology called The Edge of Infinity by Jonathan Strahan. 
I highly recommend this novelette. It won a Hugo. Pat Gadigan is lovely. You may have seen her recently at her Toastmaster position for the Hugo Awards. This novelette, I think, is it's about a crew of octo people on Jupiter and their human teammate, Fry, who gets hurt. And after she gets hurt, she decides to go out for sushi. And I think part of the story is just experiencing it and just diving in. I read it twice, the first time I read it, and I highly recommend reading it twice. Read it once and go, what the fuck is going on? And then read it again after you know what's going on and get all the good stuff out of it. I'm super excited because Pat Kennigan is apparently working on a novel in this universe. I have recommended this story several times recently to a lot of people because it is lovely. I still really need to read it. You talk about this book, you talk about this story so much. Anna, I just really need you to read it and then reprint it for me as a gift. That's only like a zillion dollars, I know. Okay, so I have my final pick now. And it's also science fiction, but not it's not in space. It's right here. But when aliens arrive on Earth and then land first in Lagos, Nigeria, and you probably guessed it, is Lagoon by Nidio Karafor. And I can't believe this book has come out three years ago already. And it's about the alien invasion that starts in Nigeria and not in America. It's hilarious. It's completely different from anything that you have read in your life. And it's thought-provoking too. Read everything that Core 4 has ever written. Probably. The end. My last book is A Hero at the End of the World by Erin Claiborne. I really like her fanfic. I've read her fanfic for years. She is an amazing writer. And I was so excited to get to read this book because it's her first like original thing. I think of A Hero at the End of the World as metafiction which is commenting on issues in other stories while creating an original universe. This is kind of a commentary on like the magical school trope, the magical hero trope, where Ewan Mao is prophesized to kill an evil wizard, and instead of him getting to kill the evil wizard, his best friend Oliver Abrams comes along and defeats the wizard for him, and the really promising future that Ewan had is gone. And the book goes into what happens after their friendship has broken apart because of this, and things start getting fishy with a cult. I love this book so much. It's so great. So if you want to read some metafiction that's super funny, I highly recommend this book. Anyway, those are my 15 books. And my 15 books. You're welcome, listeners, for your exploding to-be-read lists. Or maybe for the trip down memory lane, because they might have read some of these as well. And then they were like, oh my god, I love that book too. So that means that I have to buy all the 29 books. Please, if you read a book that I love, come tell me about it. Exactly. It's time for recommendations. Anna, what do you have for us this week? I just finished reading the latest book in the Wells and Wong 
series by Robin Stevens. It's a middle grade slash YA. It started middle grade because the kids were like 11 years old and now they are 15. And it's about two best friends in England in the 30s. And they go to this boarding school and they are the detectives, basically. That's what they are. They call each other Sherlock Holmes and it's Daisy and Hazel. One of them is English, is white, blonde, rich. The other one is also rich, Chinese, and her father wants her to experience life in England because he studied at Cambridge and he sends her to England to become as British as she can be. And of course, there's the whole thing about imperialism and the internalized racism but and, and Hazel growing up and realizing all of those things. But the books, they are, you know, mystery novels with these two little girls who investigate murders. And it's kind of like far-fetched, but it's, they are so good. The mysteries are awesome. The two girls are fantastic. And this latest book, Mistletoe and Murder, which I just finished today, is both of them now realizing that the thing... Because up until this point... The thing that they had against them was their youth with people just looking down on them because they were kids. But now that they are 15, they realize that there's another another side of them that makes people look down on them is the fact that they are women. It's so good, guys. It's just so good. One of them just basically, I'm pretty sure, came out as a sexual. She says she doesn't have any interest in romance. And her brother is gay. It's just, oh my God, I just love this series so much. And that's the one that Daisy was just reading Gordy Knight by Dorothea Sayers. And they're so meta because that's also set in a college, although it's in Oxford. But it's about detectives. Oh, no. Oh, guys, please read this series. It starts with A Murder Must Unladylike. And then continues up until Mistletoe and Murder. Which you can read. It's a standalone. You don't have to have read the previous ones. And this one is fantastic. Got a little bit excited there. Sorry. Well, if we can't get excited about Rex, when can we get excited? Exactly. Well, I mean, we get excited about everything all the time. Oh, it's, okay, it's true. <laughs> What's your rec, Renee? In The Atlantic, there's an interview with Christian Neff by Olga Kazan about how seeking self-esteem is less effective than seeking self-compassion. Instead of pitting yourself against others and how they're doing in life, being kind to yourself is like a better way to become a more stable person who is good at taking critique, fearing failure less, and being better at not beating yourself up. And all these things are definitely problems that I have. A bonus of how she talked about it was to imagine your best friend having a hard day and how you would react to it. And this seems to have the bonus effect of making you notice how you treat your close friends. Do you support them or do you blow them off? So for me, this is also a great technique to make sure I'm treating my friends with respect and compassion too. And she wrote a book about this method called Self-Compassion, Stop Beating Yourself Up and Leave Insecurity Behind. But the interview itself is super great and gives a good overview of the basics and it's very excellent, and I recommend people give the interview a read. I'm real big on finding new ways to approach mental health problems. Obviously, I would like to have better mental health and to beat myself up less. So this book is like, basically, this book's title is like, How to Beat Yourself Up Less. I'm like, I need that. Let's sign me up. Here we go.
Dana, thank you so much for recording with me today. No problem. Thank you so much for coughing through this episode with me today. Yes, we're both sort of ill. Oops. Since you listen to this podcast, you obviously have great taste in shows, so why don't you let other people know that you have great taste in shows by leaving us a review on iTunes. You can give us five space bees, and we will be forever grateful. The logo you see when you download our show was made by Ira, and you can commission Ira at justira.tumblr.com or on Twitter at it's just Ira. Our music this week was by Boxcat Games. Our instrumentals were by Chiki Music. To get embroiled in all future debates about cheese, you can follow us on Twitter at FangirlPodcast. To follow someone who has correct opinions on melted cheese, follow me on Twitter at Renee. To follow someone who has superior opinions about everything, you can follow me at Booksmugglers. And as always, Space Bees, thank you so much for listening to our show. See you next episode. Bye! I just did like a little bit of a dance shaking my boobs here. Oh my God.